I want to feel the thunder. And I think after you see it, you'll want to do the same. I don't remember the last time I saw a movie where a branch of the U.S. military ran an ad right before a movie about the U.S. military, but it happened this week. I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angles brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. Gentlemen, the movie is Maverick, and I think the last ad that ran right before the feature uh, presentation happened was from the U.S. Navy, which showed a couple of cool planes flying around and some ships and stuff. And then I saw a movie that made me feel like I haven't felt in a long time in a theater. Uh, Probably the last time for old fans of Right Angle, if you go back and watch the episode that we did about The Greatest Showman or the two episodes that we did about The Greatest (laughs) Showman. Uh, That may happen again this time because I think uh, not all three of us have yet seen Maverick. It is the sequel from some, you know, 35 years later uh, to the movie Top Gun. Um, The star is Tom Cruise. And and gentlemen, I know that among the people who watch our show, uh, people have all kinds of reservations about Hollywood, specifically about actors in Hollywood, some particular actors in Hollywood, Tom Cruise himself. I don't care about any of that. What I'm saying, Stephen Green, is I just saw a movie that made me think that somebody in Hollywood found the box where they had locked up the original formula for making an entertaining picture, (laughs) and they opened it and they said, hey, what say we give this a try? Yeah, it's amazing how uh, good storytelling, which is no mystery, by the way, gets lost in Hollywood's struggle to, shit, to show us the, the woke message at, uh, at every opportunity. Uh, in fact, Obi-Wan, which looks so promising in the trailers, eh, I watched the first couple of episodes and it, yeah. some of it is is I like and others parts of it I don't like. And I can see that the parts I don't like are probably going to take over the, the show during its six episode run. I'll see how it plays out. I've got kids who love Star Wars, so I'm going to have to watch them regardless. Uh, back to Top Gun, though. Um, I have never never seen not Maverick I've never seen Top Gun the original 1986 movie Me mostly neither. mostly just on stubborn principle You're uh, both communists well, <laughs> hang on let me just just let me finish I tried watching I was a very very pro military 17 year old when the movie came out and I tried to watch it and there was this one line that was so stupid that it just annoyed me and so I I I never finished watching the movie. And at that point, uh, when people say you've never seen Top Gun, it became a point of just stubborn, stupid pride. Not only have I never watched it, I'm never going to watch it. Um, and that was kind of my attitude going into uh, to, to Maverick. Oh, God, Tom Cruise is making a sequel to a 30-some-odd-old movie. He must be desperate. Come on, the last Mission Impossible was really good. Why, why is he this desperate? And I saw the trailer. And the trailer looked good, like a lot better than anything I'd seen out of the original movies, except for the the dog fights, which, you know, you see those on YouTube and stuff. They're amazing. Um, then my wife says uh, she's going to go on like the sneak preview night last Tuesday, and she's going to take our boys ages 16 and 11 with her. And the boys are excited. They're dying to see it. Melissa, my wife, she watches Top Gun about one and a half times a day. She loves that movie. Uh, you know, she's a total 80s chick. I, I adore her. The three of them came home beaming, Scott, in exactly the way you just described your reaction. And 
they were telling me about it and uh, that this time it wasn't just the dogfight scenes that were good. It was the movie that was good. My 11 year old told me of uh, Top Gun. You know, Dad, if you ever want to watch it, the dogfights are great, but all the talking stuff is stupid. And <laughs> he's going to grow up to be a movie critic, I guess. Um, and I started to get excited on their excitement. And so I told my wife, I think the next day, honey, I need your help. And she said, you need my help with what? I said, I want to go see Maverick. But before I do, I want to sit on the sofa and catch up by watching Top Gun with you. And she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, oh, man. I'm here for you. <laughs> That's what we're doing this weekend. Awesome. Well, Bill Whittle, um, you know, being a pilot yourself and somebody who aspired to to fly these kinds of planes uh, from very early in your childhood, um, you know, I would imagine that you'd be excited about such a movie. But really, also as somebody who's got uh, some experience in Hollywood and, and editing films and writing scripts and things like that, um, what struck me as I watched it, and don't you know, let this distract you when you watch it. But when I watched it, I have a tendency as a writer when I'm watching a movie. I sometimes literally can see the words being typed. I don't know if this sounds weird to you, but I, I just <laughs> no, see. No, no, no. I know exactly what you I mean. See, Look by, I'm writing. I see the dialogue yeah. appearing on the page. In this case, I saw the template. I saw the formula. And and it was it's funny because people will often criticize works of art by saying they were formulaic. And I realized when I was watching Maverick that the reason why the critics didn't like it was not because it was formulaic, but because it didn't follow the formula well. And this movie follows the formula well. The hero's journey is there. There are crises that seem insoluble. The ch a real genuine change has to happen in order for the story to progress. And just everything comes together. I remember when we talked about uh, a while back the movie Ford versus Ferrari and, uh, and said, mm. it's not a movie about cars. This is not a movie about planes. Uh, but there's a lot of really awesome plane stuff in it. Um, it it's, what are your thoughts about how it's possible for such a movie at this time in history to still be a blockbuster? Well, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, first of all, I can sympathize with Steve, uh, one of the problems with, uh, and it's endemic, uh, is that even, even in especially in Top Gun, uh, fighter pilots are portrayed as these kind of, you know, devil may care rule breakers and stuff. You know, the, the, the classic scene in the original movie is he asked for permission to buzz the tower. And he says, no, uh, Maverick, there's traffic in the pattern. Uh, permission denied. He does it anyway, and the guy spills his coffee. Maverick! I had a friend who, um, I had a friend who was an air traffic controller in the Air Force at the time. And he, I, I asked him, I said, what would happen if that had really happened? He said, oh, that's easy. Uh, he would have taxied his, his jet to a stop, and it would have been met by a Jeep with a bunch of MPs and they would have had their M60, get out of the airplane, out of the airplane, get on the ground now, that kind of thing. So seriously, so so yeah. fighter pilots are extraordinarily disciplined and, and extremely unemotional characters. But nobody wants to see that. Yeah, so it reminds me of that old joke of, you know, what, what do fighter pilots use for birth control? And the answer <laughs> is person. their personalities. Um, so you gotta you gotta let them gotta let them do that. The two things I find interesting about about this gap between uh, the, the two movies is the original movie came out just before computer graphics started to be good enough to put into feature films. And this one has come out 
just after movies have been using computer graphics in feature films for 35 years. And there is a soullessness about computer graphics. There's mm. a, there's a, there's a, a, a yeah. simplicity to them. They're too easy. And, and, and CG in the hands of virtually every director I've ever seen allows you to do things that take away from the believability of the movie. And I won't get yeah. into great detail on this, but the, but the classic example is you see there's an accident and a, and a truck turns over and the tire goes boom, 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 whoo, right, right into the lens, right? That's what CGI allows you to do. Yeah. But no one's ever gotten that shot before. That shot doesn't exist. You can never, they, those things don't happen. So to his enormous credit, because so much of this is due to Tom Cruise, they decided that they were going to shoot as much of this as they could in actual aircraft and have just really CG fill in a couple of the, the spots where they couldn't get. But those but since the entire stuff is practical, it's real. The CGI is indistinguishable. You can't yeah. you can't suddenly change styles, styles like that. That's why the movie is just so effective. Um, and and this brings me to the other the second thing that's changed a lot over the years. And that's my opinion of Tom Cruise. You know, uh, I used to just you know what the Scientology days and the standing up on the couch and the whole you know just okay he's a nut. But but my opinion of him changed. Uh, significantly when I found out that he actually flies that P-51. He's, he, he owns one. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that is not a, 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 a forgiving airplane. And the fact that, he, that he's a P-51 pilot uh, impressed me. And the fact that he does his own stunts impressed me enormously, right? Because if you've ever seen any of the Mission Impossible stunts, that's really him. And you can't fake that. So now we get to why I think Maverick is so successful. It is... The first one came before you had all these cheating techniques, and then this one came after all these cheating techniques have, have, had run their course, right? So when you see this movie and you wonder why it looks so real, it's because the one thing you can't fake, Scott, there's just no way to fake it, is, is what G-forces will do to you. That's right. Uh, and, and especially in a dogfight. And, and frankly, if you get inside um, visual range and it turns into a knife fight, the fight is limited by the capability of the pilot to remain conscious the plane will do things that the pilot just simply can't do and Cruz had the had the the great good sense to shoot this practically so that when he so when he comes off of that that catapult launch off of the carrier that's not like a uh you know it's like no. boom it's getting punched in the face and, and when you're pulling a high g turn your entire face is kind of <laughs> and and to the credit of the actors that went with him he basically took them out and said you guys are gonna you get this one's gonna work you they did the same thing with saving private ryan which is why that looks so good yeah so good for him and um and especially good for him because tom cruise is he's a he's a he's a pretty good actor he's not a great actor but he's the he's the best movie star that, that oh, yeah. is alive in the world today and he understands that and he didn't go into maverick uh planning to um uh to subvert our expectations like rain johnson did on uh on uh, The Last Jedi. I'm going to subvert your expectations. Well, he succeeded. I had expected to enjoy myself in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> and and uh, and my expectations were, uh, were uh, subverted. So Tom Cruise has the respect for this audience to know that they know what they want and he delivers it. And that may be Squaresville, but that's what the, that's the job, man. That's the job. And, and the box office is showing that people will still go see a movie if it's not a piece of crap.
My, my only disappointment with the film, by the way, was it didn't tell me which pronouns to use, and I didn't I didn't learn a lot about how the Earth was being destroyed and and, and other lessons, valuable lessons that I didn't get. But you know, it's almost like go. the modern Navy had nothing to do with this one. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's you know, as I indicated before, with the comparison with Ford versus Ferrari, um, it's it's not a movie about planes, um, and. Tom Cruise and whoever wrote all the script and the directors, everybody seems to understand that it's not a movie about planes. And the the planes are actually kind of, they carry the story in a sense, uh, but, you know, they could have done this in, in any variety of other kinds of settings because it's really, a great movie is really the story of a man or of a woman. It's an individual and their personal struggle and the the challenges that we all have to go through to overcome the burdens of things that we've done in the past um, or uh, faults of our own or memories that plague us or physical or mental handicaps that prevent us from doing what we really want to do. And so this they, they really captured that. And, and it's I don't know if I've seen a movie in such a long time where they managed to make it so grand and small at the same time. Like it's, like it's almost like you could have watched it on a stage uh, because of the intensity of the personal element of the movie. There was a moment after the, the roaring of the engine stopped briefly uh, in the theater. And the theater I was in, I saw it at like 10 o'clock on a weekday, 10 a.m. And um, the theater was probably 90, 95% full. And wow. there was a, a, a moment where everything got quiet in the theater and you just heard nothing but sniffling all around the room. And these were like big, bold man sniffles, too. These were like you could tell like, <laughs> like men were weeping openly uh, about this movie. And it's just I wanted to do this show just for the glory of it all. I mean, just to gush about the fact that somebody went out there and said, hey, let's spend a few million dollars trying to actually entertain people and make them feel good about the experience and to come out of the theater feeling better than they did going into the theater. And and they've really accomplished all that. And then the final thing that I thought was intriguing about Maverick was this tension between the idea of the individual as the engine of achievement in this world and the fact that an individual typically has to work in the context of some sort of team to get anything done. And they didn't cash all their chips in on one side or the other. You know, they didn't they, they didn't make it sound like, oh, it takes a village. Um, on the other hand, they didn't say, oh, it was one man, you know? It was like <laughs> they managed to, 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 to thread that needle really gracefully and, and let you see that it's a dynamic tension of both. It's not either or. You really have to have strong individuals who are capable of individual achievement. And at the same time, they need to figure out how they can dovetail and link up and sync up with others in the team. And I I, I don't want to do this very often, but right after I saw The Greatest Showman, I immediately wanted to go see it again in the theater. I don't want to see this on my TV. I want to see it on a giant screen again because I want to feel the thunder. And I think after you see it, you'll want to do the same. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, my name is Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible. 